Bundy, my burger, it's time to boink. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Boink Radio Podcast here on the Boink Network Discord server. Today is January 22nd. We're talking about censored projects. Projects with censors. Not, no, don't like censors, but ah, earthquake censors. Uh, but hey, <laughs> before we get to that, you're welcome to join us every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Boink Network Discord server. We can join myself, Jay Ringo, and the lovely Delta talking about Boink things. Delta, talk to me about your burgers. I don't have burgers, although I would I wouldn't mind it's not one. A Bundy. It's, it's the center <laughs> of the it, it's the it's pretty much the center of the Australian summer right now. So it's Bundy time today. I've got a blood orange sparkling Bundy, and I must say it's it's been brewed for over two days, and it does have some of the orange bitters inside of it. Are all well, Bundy burgers floating. Uh, bubbly? Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> unless okay. you shake them. <laughs> Noted, noted. But um, I must say that we are in day two of a five-day heat wave, so it's already 27 degrees in here, and it's only nine in the morning. Butter my bunda, bake me a burger. That's hot. No. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, just go down to your Walmart or whatever, go pick up a six-pack of Bundys, and then you'll see what I'm talking about. I don't know if they'd have those at Walmart. I know an American friend who managed to pick him up somewhere. <laughs> I'll find him. Look for the Australian section. They, they should be next to the next to the kangaroo chips. I think you have a horrible misconception about <laughs> what we have in our supermarkets. <laughs> the Australian section? Yeah, the Australian <laughs> section. <laughs> oh, man. I will look for it next time I'm there and see what's going on. Yeah, go get some. And make sure you get some Tim Tams, too. They're great. These, these alliteration words... <laughs> this this is too much, too much for the team. We, we need to get the we need to get the Australian sponsors on board. <laughs> this is amazing. This is amazing. I I don't even know what to say. Should we boink? <laughs> out of the we three, <laughs> wait, out of the three bundas you've had so far, which one is your favorite? Probably the guava one. The guava one is quite popular, I think. <laughs> okay. And I'm on the band bandwagon. <laughs> Vitaly's throwing some Australian wine. I've had yellowtail. Yeah. Australian wine in the chat here. Solid, solid bottles of cheap wine. Huh. All right, yeah. Let's let's boink. Let's do some new stuff, eh? What do you think? Mm-hmm. What do you got? Uh, let me finish drinking. Oh, okay. I was, I'll start it. We have <laughs> <laughs> some news coming out of SI Doc, the newer project working on COVID-19 and other biology uh, tasks. They give us an update over the past year. They've had 1,000 active or the beginning of the, the year, so this year, they have a thousand active users, users, four thousand computers, and they have finished their second target already. Scratch that. No, don't scratch that. Yes, they finished their second target and they're moving to the third one uh, and improving their docking protocol. So they are great. They're great. Let's just leave it at that. They're doing outreach. They're they're giving us news and they're improving their application and uh, getting stuff done. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, do you want to mention the temporary task shortage from the transition? Well, that transition was yesterday. So I'm assuming they have tasks up and running now. But yes, as they transition from the second to third, uh, there may be a, a temporary task shortage. Um, but by the time this is posted, who knows if that still exists. But hey, if it is, you know, happy blank. <laughs> okay. Um, let's start off with the big one. So... SETI at Home has some good news and some bad news. So 
they've come back from their long uh, long holiday at the start of the year, and they are back doing more research. And they've been working on finding birdies. So, um, yeah, the Arecibo telescope can actually detect birdies. Uh, not the real ones, but <laughs> birdies are just signals that are generated by humans just to check whether everything's working. Uh, and they've been tinkering a bit with their fast Fourier transforms to figure out what they can detect. And recently, after their recent analysis, the bad news is that they thought that they were able to scan about 23% of the sky. However, we've now learned that they could only be scanning 0.5% of the sky, which if you think about it, is still a really, really, really huge number. It's a really huge area. Um, and although they say it's a little disappointing, that gives us hope that they restart this project because we have 99.5% of the sky to cover again. <laughs> uh, and for those of you that want a little more technical detail of what they're actually trying to find is uh, David Anderson actually describes it pretty... Um, Oh, no, it was quoted from someone else. So David Anderson said that uh, Dan argued that if ET is serious about being detected, they'd put two transmitters on opposite sides of the planet so that one of them is always visible. So that's what SETI at Home is trying to find at the moment. Uh, and uh, hopefully they can do a bit of data analysis and see if they actually got anything. But after they do this, and probably, I don't know, maybe... I, considering they're only doing 0.5% of the sky, I'm betting that they're probably not going to find much and they're going to come back and say, hey, listen, we got 99.5% of the sky rest to do. Let's do it. <laughs> I've got 99% of the problems and the sky is all of them. <laughs> I love that song. All right. Uh, I've got news coming out of our favorite project, Minecraft at Home. The project looking to crack Minecraft into billions of little pieces and then solve it. Sounds I thought it weird, was already in the billion little pieces. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Minecraft was the first blockchain. <laughs> okay, anyway. Minecraft at Home has found the Herobrine World Seed. That's about it. That's all I got. Cool stuff. These guys have already found the largest cactus. They've done the, the original vanilla version seed discovery they've gotten millions of views on youtube lots of engagement on twitter they're a huge crew doing some really interesting stuff with boink so if you want to see people really stretch the limits of boink uh go check these guys out and see the problems they solve and for those of you that don't know what the hero brian world seed is i believe it is the actual minecraft world where the elusive hero brian which is, I don't know if it's true or not, because I don't do my research into Minecraft lore, but uh, it's uh, where the elusive hero Brian was spotted and the screenshot was posted, and I assume that they probably grabbed that screenshot and tried to find the world that it was in. So um, they probably, uh, from the sounds of it, probably went back to all the way, all the way back to the alpha uh, world gen. So they've been working with some pretty old stuff probably, but nonetheless, it's great, and it's... Uh, really popular. <laughs> I have no idea what a hero brine is. It's like a, a, it's almost like a ghost or like another player that um, would like haunt you or something. And the key thing is that it's the default Minecraft avatar skin, uh, although the eyes are just pure white. <laughs> huh. 
It's like one of those scary campfire stories. <laughs> cool. Do you know if they have a video about it? Uh, this is this was discovered today. So they say they have th- right. there will be a video up tomorrow at noon Eastern. So check out that video once it comes out. <laughs> you can learn more about it. You can find it at Minecraft at home on Twitter. Cool. All right, my turn. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's uh, just do a quick one. Uh, Boink Tech, uh, coming out of Texas. Uh, they realized that they submitted uh, some jobs with some erroneous input. So what they probably did was is they accidentally created some work units with some bad inputs that they didn't want, and it may have caused some problems with the computers or it may have caused some problems with the research. So they're asking everyone, it's probably a bit late now to a bit late now to be talking about it here, but uh, if you had any uh, computers or devices that received jobs from uh, TAC between 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. CST on the 16th of January, abort them and don't worry about computing those tasks and save your computing cycles, as they, as they say. <laughs> right on. Sorry, I'm reading up on Herobrine. Fascinating stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's all the news I brought today. Do you have any more? Uh, yeah, I just got the MLC at Home one. Do it up. So MLC at Home has another weekly summary, and they have been writing a lot, apparently. <laughs> uh, over the long weekend in the US, they've been writing up a lot of projects and probably some papers too, hopefully. And uh, they also announced that they are slowly working on data set number four, and they are 80% done data sets one and two. And data set three has three milestones because the data set is so big. They've completed milestones one and two, and they are yet to complete milestone number three, which is currently a quarter of uh, the way done. They also mentioned that they are looking at updating some of the machine learning integrations with the hardware. So for those of you that know what it is, it's the I think it's the AMD ROCM, Rockham. Um, they also mention Polaris and Navi support using PyTorch. So for those of you that are interested in the technology side of it and you want to do some actual machine learning and machine training on your computers, you can come and hop on MLC at home. Amen. And MLC at home and also I think Psydoc are both looking for people to help with the project. So if you want to get even more in-depth into machine learning or like protein folding and, and that sort of biology thing, uh, reach out to those projects or jump on this Discord and uh, just say something in the chat. And they, both their admins hang out in the Discord and they will see you. So feel free. It's a good opportunity to beef up your resume. <laughs> yeah, Delta, I was just using you as an example in a podcast earlier today about- Wow, did you get how... my permission? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> about someone who has basically built up a resume for themselves just by doing project briefs. Like if you wanted to go get a science communication job somewhere, you could just show them like the 20 project briefs you've done. Like I can do this. I didn't need to go to school. You don't need to look for a a diploma or anything. Here's evidence that I can do this. Yeah, you just need to stick with Boink for about four years and then you're all good. (laughs) Watch a couple science video channels on YouTube, no problem. (laughs) No, come on, don't sell yourself short. You get better at it every time you do one. And it shows. I must say that, yep. (laughs) 
Yeah, and more Australian same. jokes coming next time. <laughs> I can't wait. It's the same for anything. If if you want to get into the machine wor- learning world or AI world, which is going to be very very large in the near future, uh, you're almost guaranteed a job if you can do that stuff. Uh, machine learning at home is a Boink project that's just like this guy uh, who's a PhD candidate, I believe, uh, just doing a project because he loves to do it. You go ahead and join him, and you know, learn about machine learning. SIDOC, same thing, except with uh, biology, med- medicine, protein folding, that sort of stuff. Um, C Energy asks, what exact support the MLC guys are looking for? We talked about it last week. Uh, one of us, I'll try and pull it up, and Delta's talking about sensor projects for you. He made a post about it. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's all the news. And the main topic is sensor projects. And Delta, I think you got something to say about this one. Yes, I do. But first, we should probably explain the different types of projects that you can get on Boink. So the most contemporary type of project you can get on Boink is a computing project. And what they do is they have a whole bunch of data they need to crunch, uh, or at least a process that they need to crunch, and they just package it up into little work units, send it out to the computer. The computer works on the work unit, crunches away, gets hot up to 100 degrees Celsius in the Australian 50 degree heat. Uh, and then uh, they send the results back once they have it to the project, and the project will then amass all those results and make a maybe a publication, uh, maybe put some primes into a database, um, collect some data, amass some data sets for other scientists to use, all sorts of fancy things. And those are computationally intensive projects. So they actually require the computers to be beefy. They need to be fast. They need to run stuff. They need to have lots of CPU cores, sometimes even a GPU, and all that fancy stuff. Then you have non-computationally intensive tasks. And the best example we have here is Athena. And they actually use your networking card. So they actually send pings around the world to map the internet. It's not very intensive, definitely not computationally intensive, because a ping doesn't really take that much processing power to do. And uh, yeah, so those are types of non-computationally intensive tasks. And another type of non-computationally intensive one is a sensor project. So a sensor project is where you connect an additional device to your computer that collects data, and then that data is either processed or is just simply collected and sent back to the project. And you can do some interesting stuff and actually even do some real-time stuff too. So for example, um, I think there is a project, and I think it's still running, called Radioactive at Home. And you can actually buy Geiger counters from them, like little small like cylindrical Geiger counters. You just connect it up to your computer, put on the software, join the project, and submit your data. And what it does is it actually collects the radiation from around, from around your house and, and basically your area. And the main purpose of it was to actually see the impact of nuclear power plants in Europe and around the Eurozone. And they were capable of making a live map of where radiation is and the levels of radiation around the world. Although, because all the, well, at least most of the nuclear reactors are really safe and they control how much radiation they're spilling out, Really, the data wasn't that interesting because everyone was showing that there were safe levels of radiation in every single part of of Europe, pretty much. And uh, with that data, they were able to make that live map and you could actually view it. I don't know if you can still view it now. Uh, I haven't checked in a while, but yeah, they have a live map. I remember you showed it in the the, um, project brief. So if people want to go back, scroll up in the chat until you find it. (laughs) Just go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. 
And the great thing about Sensor Project is that they are very, very, very good at getting absolutely all types of hardware on board because the software to actually collect from the sensors is not that hard to make. And also the fact that devices have their own sensors in them. So for example, there used to be a project called, I think, Earthquake at Home. Uh, and they uh, actually used your phone and its accelerometer to detect earthquakes and to see where, how much uh, how much disturbance in the earth there was. And it was pretty cool because then they could actually make a live map of all the earthquakes around the world. And I think they during the project's uh, glory days, they managed to detect a couple earthquakes. <laughs> and now you're probably thinking, well, hold on, what happens if I just pick up my phone and then walk away with it? Obviously, there'd be stuff to prevent that. And what happens if you pick up your phone and just shake it? <laughs> Obviously, the scientists know what looks like an earthquake and what looks like you shaking your phone. Yeah. Also, don't be a dick. Like, come on. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually when you run Boink on your mobile phones, usually you have it plugged in overnight, sitting on a desk, stable, no vibrations. Um, and, yes, SACPOP, smartphones do have a lot more sensors than computers. I remember my old, um, I think I think Google made a phone called a Nexus, I think, the Google Nexus. Yep. Yep. And that thing had absolutely everything. It had a magnetometer, it had an accelerometer, it had an infrared sensor, it had absolutely every gyroscope, GPS, anything you can think of, it was in that phone. And we can use that data to make live maps and everything like that, just like with these sensor projects. Not to mention also, Raspberry Pis are perfect for this too. I think all of us have probably seen a Raspberry Pi weather station that you can rig up or a DIY Raspberry Pi sensor station or something like that. You just make a little box with the Raspberry Pi, connect up all the sensors, assemble it, and then just chuck it on your roof, have a cyclone pass over, and then submit that data to Boink, no problem. Raspberry Pi <laughs> can connect over Wi-Fi. It has a battery. It has a solar panel. It has everything. It only takes up about the, the, the same electricity as a phone, and it's perfect for sensor projects. Yeah, any of those mod modular boards. I remember uh, playing my with my Arduino, and like you could get any sensor in the world you wanted, essentially, like flex sensor or or what, like a temperature magnet, etc. Is there a sensor to detect a sausage sizzle in a five-kilometer radius? Absolutely. It's called the sausage <laughs> sizzler sensor. That's the <laughs> I had so many of those hooked up. I've I've met so many friends that summer going to random barbecues. You got sausages. <laughs> no, no, you use it in Australia to detect the nearest Bunnings. Ah, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> no, but seriously, think about other things that, like, sensors are currently used for day-to-day, uh, -day, like GPS, driving, traffic, where they just track your phones, and if there's a lot of so phones not moving, they say there's a lot of traffic and redirect you. That could be built on a distributed platform instead of having Google do it. Uh, yeah, interesting, okay. uh, just to go a bit more technical into that, because it is kind of interesting how it works. The way it works is that, um, oh, hold on, let me get the noises out of the background. Shoe, shoe noises. Someone's washing dishes. Mm -hmm. All right, so the way that the, the those GPS and traffic things work is that they assume that everyone on their phone, or at least the people with their phones who have location services on, and they just collect the little pings from the location from each of the phones and then see how many pings line up in a particular particular area. And the more of a density and the more of uh, and the lower the velocity of each of the phones, because you can actually detect how fast you're going using GPS, the lower the velocity and the more dense it is, the more traffic there is. So that's the way they do that. 
and I just lost what I was going to say. Mm. Well, I'll, I'll riff off that for a second. Maybe it'll remind you. There's just so much untapped potential when it comes to Boeing and the world in general, when it, like with distributed sensing. Like, Earth, the earthquake project is like a really helpful project to people. The radiation project is a really helpful project to people. If you don't have a decentralized uh, collection of radiation data, uh, can you imagine having to pay a team to go around and collect data at all these different data points? And then you have to do it over and over and over again because, you know, it could change in 10 years. Like, no, just hook up a, a, a sensor, get people doing it, maybe throw in an incentivized mechanism. And then you get a radiation map of the world. It's, it's wonderful. And you can do that with everything. Solar, radiation, sun, wind, weather. Weather is a great example. And COVID tracking because... With all the tra uh, tracing apps, you use the Bluetooth to check uh, who's next to you. And that's a, that's essentially its own sensor project, although it's not on Boink. And I was going to say that uh, with all these companies that are doing it and also the governments who are doing the tracing apps too, wouldn't it be nice to have an open source set of data rather than that which is controlled by a company? Yeah, so how, how would you see that working? Like if I get COVID, I submit that I have COVID and then it will let everyone who is near me in the past like two weeks know? Well, that's how the COVID uh, tracing apps around the world usually work. Uh, and in terms of just simple traffic data and stuff like that, we use a Boink project to store all that data in, in real time and make a, make a map that you can actually look at to see the traffic. And rather than the data being controlled by um, a corporation or a government, the data is open. We can, we're able to use it all together uh, and we're able to make maps. It's accessible. How wild is this? How wild is this? Because I love what you're saying. So we were talking about distributed storage platforms last week. So you can, with those platforms, you can volunteer your computer to store a specific type of data. And then when someone wants to access that data, they pay you a little bit based on how much they access and how much you're storing, et cetera, et cetera. So what so you have this big decentralized database of this very valuable data where people are, not like specifically where Delta is, but where humans are in general, like is there traffic here or traffic there? And then you volunteer your computer to both crunch the, the, the data to find out the answer, but also to store the answer so that when someone needs to, when a company wants to use that data, they pay you a little bit for it because you're storing it and you're doing the work for it. And they don't need to have that massive infrastructure of AWS servers and, and they don't need to crunch it themselves. And it just seems like a, a very solid business plan using this new technology that's being developed. Yeah, All and it could, be, it could be very, very beneficial to not only scientists, but also governments as well. I know that uh, over here in Australia, the Bureau of Meteorology usually covers most of Australia in terms of uh, radars, weather tracking, temperature gauges, pre pretty much everything. Um, but other places around the world might not have that. And it could be possible that people setting up just random weather stations here and there can then be used in the end, or at least in the future, as a weather tracking station for the government. And they could track weather, they could track cyclones, tornadoes, adverse weather, heat waves, and they could do their own modeling and all the fun stuff like that. Dude, absolutely. And, and Melk here brings up something that makes me think of a crazy idea. 
Uh, he mentions that the newest phones include LiDAR, ultra-wideband sensors, uh, and a lot of powerful neural engine coprocessors. And LiDAR is this really interesting tech that you can use to look through forests, essentially. That's the one use I know about it. I'm sure it can be used for many other things. But we also have drones. So if we built a system where it would aggregate LiDAR data and build maps based on the ground below you, essentially. So you hook a, you put a phone on a drone, you send the drone up, and you have it scan the ground around you, the forest around you. Uh, and then you have people all over the world do this. We'd be able to find archaeological uh, fascinations all all over the place, right? It's one of the ways they're using LIDAR right now is like down in South America and Central America to find like ancient Mayan ruins and Aztec ruins and that sort of thing. So that would be so fun from a, a anthropological standpoint. Yeah, and I, I had an interesting idea too, I think a while ago, um, because sensors are just simply plug into your computer and just collect data and send it back to the project. But what if we had a way to actually do something with the connected device and in some way it'll verify it and then send it back to the project? So, for example, an easy example is, and this is a bit um, like really out there, like we probably don't even have this technology right now, but imagine distributed carbon scrubbing. So all you do is just plug in something to the back of your computer, USB port, sucks out a bit of power, but what it does is, is it takes in air, scrubs out the carbon, and then maybe you'll it'll get put onto Boink and you can get credits on Boink and you can compete with your, your friends as to how much carbon you can scrub out of the air. Although it might require a little bit of maintenance, it does the job and you can connect it to Boink and have all the, um, the competition and all that and earn credits from it. Yeah, and then, you know, uh, hyper-compress it to get diamonds and that pays for itself. Hell yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that, that's an interesting idea. It would require like solar energy, zero carbon footprint solar energy to make it worthwhile. But I, yeah, I'm in much, but geothermal or something like that. As I said, we, we don't necessarily have, the, we probably don't even have the technology right now to just simply plug something into our computers to uh, <laughs> scrub carbon out of the air. But that's, that's the little idea I had to demonstrate that it's possible with Boink to have something connect to your computer, do something, do something meaningful, and then report back. Absolutely. There's, this is such an untapped field of Boink projects. You know, I was, I was lauding the... Uh, Minecraft at home guys for being very creative when it comes to figuring out how to use Boink to solve their Minecraft problems. This is one of those fields that is just ripe for for people to come in and figure stuff out with the sensors. Like, what can you do with sensors on Boink? It's, it's just the possibilities. We're just like spitballing here, and I think all these ideas are really good so far. <laughs> Imagine yeah, what you imagine, come up with if you thought about it. <laughs> imagine a project that maps all of the electromagnetic spectrum. So you have the for those phones with magnetometers on it, you just detect the amount of uh, magnetism in the area, and then you can make a map of all the um, electromagnetic radiation or whatever around a particular area, which would be pretty cool. <laughs> Absolutely, you could do cosmic like uh, radio SETI. You could do SETI without uh, Arecibo. You could do cosmic radio microwave background i can't say it right but you could find that thing <laughs> uh well i'm I, i'll have to stop you there because you do need really really large telescopes for that because of the simply the the um the wavelength of the waves that come off but uh i like your idea <laughs> <laughs> well who knows what we'll have tomorrow maybe we can make one big unified 
radio telescope by connecting all the phones together. There we go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so uh, SecPop's asking, great question here. Will the fact that you need to buy additional hardware for sensor projects be an issue though? Regular Boink doesn't need anything you don't already have. Well, if we're using the phone, the phone already comes with all these sensors, as we're saying. And if we're using radioactive at home as an example, uh, they do sell a specialized piece of hardware that they don't have a lot of. So when it's manufactured, it sells out very quickly because people love the project. Very short supply, <laughs> yeah. I must so say. I, I think it is an issue, but if the the field of distributed sensing uh, gets traction, I think that problem would be overcome fairly quickly because it just makes so much sense for a lot of stuff. Uh, and Delta, you were talking about like the weather uh, nerds who put weather like pies on the roof. I'm going to be one of them very soon. <laughs> yeah, it sounds fascinating. I might do it myself. Sea Energy. I absolutely love meteorology. <laughs> <laughs> also, Sea Energy said he connected an air pressure sensor to their Boink Cruncher. So it's like these people already want to buy these sensors because they're fascinated by it and they're already sensing the air pressure or something like that. The the bar they've got a barometer and it's like well. We just want to take what they already have because they're interested in this stuff and connect it to everyone else's and make a map out of it. You know, so there's there's two answers to that question. One is yes for people who don't already have the stuff, but there's way to get ways to get them to buy it. Well, there's actually three answers. A second would be yes, but they really already have a lot of these sensors on the phone. And the third answer is yes, but a lot of people are already interested in sensing stuff and already have these sensors. So it's not seen as extra hardware. And it keeps people engaged because if you have a sensor, you can see a live map of what everyone else is creating. And hopefully you should also be able to see a live map of what you are creating and the actual live sensor data coming straight from the device. Absolutely. It's like um, when I was a kid, we had this like a really, really crappy helicopter, like a toy helicopter made out of popsicle sticks, but it was connected to a solar panel, like a tiny little solar panel that when it was sunny, the propeller would move. And that that's a type of sensor, you know, it's sunny because the propeller is moving. Uh, oh, what a it, cute story. <laughs> it was so fun. Just that, that uh, responsiveness, being able to see it. It's an Unlike it's the reason that Boeing screensavers are so interesting because you get to see what your computer is doing, right? And with sensors, you get to see it happening because you see the numbers coming and you see the data and you can hook it up to things that react based on and the, you have the, the data physical device. Absolutely, it's, it's a great point, man. Sackpop brings up the idea of using sensors to build a live map of air pollution. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I think that's great too because uh, that's not mandated at all. Although I have seen. Uh, in certain car parks, they have uh, various uh, pollution sensors too to see if it's getting to dangerous levels or not. So, I think we should. I think there should be a project that actually does that. That that I think that's in need. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, do we know if that hardware already exists? I, mean, I would throw it we on should. the table. This is this is the first Boink Network project endorsed. Or first Boink project fully endorsed by the Boink Network. Maybe we'll try and build it because this sounds like a wonderful idea. Nice. So you just everyone would need one of these things and then uh, connect it up to Boink and do stuff with the data. Mostly, yeah. So there are issues to overcome. Hey, it's a challenge. Let's see what we can do. Yeah, and I've seen those air pollution sensors. They're only like literally smaller than a mobile phone. Cool. Yeah, I'm surprised that there haven't been more sensor projects over Boink in the past. Do we know what the the holdup is? Really? Like why? <laughs> 
I don't know. I, I mean, it, it should be pretty easy to just simply make a little application because it's not as complex as thinking, oh, how many floating point operations do I have to do per second? Do I need 64-bit floating operations? How many, what GPUs will be using and what things? None of that. It's a very simple, uh, for just pure sensing, it's a very simple application to build. Um, and really, the only the only other issue is probably the legal side of actually selling the sensors, unless they just say, oh, yeah, buy it, purchase this sensor from some other random place. Because Radioactive at Home does, do, does sell their own sensors. I think they buy them from the manufacturer and then on-sell them back to the, uh, back to the crunches. So I don't know if it's a legal issue don't know anything else and also not only just that just storing the information too you need a lot of hard drives yeah i see uh, a couple potential partnerships here that would you know solve all the issues be pretty cool pretty cool huh hey well any other thoughts foxy points out that boink is built to target like the problem send me data and i will give you a result which is a different task than a sensor project but as Delta was just saying, it does seem like it's easier to build a sensor project if you just from the software it's side. It's been done before. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, if you want to help build a sensor project, guys, come on in here. We'll get going. Um, we will promote you <laughs> for the <laughs> low cost of respect and honor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what happened to Crunch of the Week? We just stopped doing that. Oh, man. Yeah, we ran out of rigs to review <laughs> yeah guys we'll still do it if you submit crunching rigs in the crunching channel on discord we'll still give you all that respect and honor uh are there any in there let's see synergy has an interesting one we got crunch of the week let's do it wow it's a small image <laughs> but we have all the details here so synergy from the discord channel has posted their boink crunching machine and as far as what i can see in the image it is water cooled because i do see some some copper pipes unless that's connected to something else um but there is one big black sort of square and then it's connected to a big white unit almost looks like a refrigerator and they say that that's their point crunching rig and i think that might be for some sort of heating <laughs> like another boink heating project like using a boink machine to be a heater for your house maybe it says it's an eight-core AMD Ryzen combined with two NVIDIA GPUs with special CNC'd components, so there are no moving parts with the exceptions of a very small fan to cool the hard drives, which are outside the hot compartment. Uh, no water is circulating around the components, components, only water in the tank that moves when you tap water for a bath or shower. So it is heating oh my God. water. This is great. <laughs> this dude has made a Boink hot water heater. <laughs> He says the components give off their heat to specially designed heat sinks, and the that heat sink gives off heat passively to the water in the tank. Sorry, someone just walked in. Um, I missed out on that. Uh, was there anything important? <laughs> no, he's just saying he's a genius. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, to be, uh, I'd say he's almost an evil genius because to be able to do something like that would be pretty phenomenal i think in australia it might actually almost be illegal because you're just you're literally rigging up a, another different hot water system to the to the water pipes or something <laughs> that's nuts there are four pipes here that is nuts. Says, uh one is cold in one is hot water out and the other two are not used it's uh you definitely get points for the cleanest rig we've ever seen just like it looks i must beautiful. yep i agree with that and then 
you know, that's only icing on the cake for you. You built a fucking water heater based on book. <laughs> <laughs> the first ever. <laughs> uh, all the respect and honor, my dude. All the respect and honor. Do you think uh, we get a, a badge that's just the picture of the water heater? And anyone who builds a, a Boink water heater gets that badge? No, but now that you mention it, maybe a, a role on Discord to say that you've got regular week. <laughs> Ooh, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, guys, you want to jump on this Discord if you want to see this rig, because it is fascinating. Uh, otherwise, join us next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern, where we'll be talking about something, Boink. Who knows? It's going to be a wild ride. Delcy, you got anything you want to close out on? Nope, but meet me next time for, uh, I just said no, and then I just, <laughs> sorry, let me start that <laughs> then, again. Yes. I just nope, contradicted yes. myself. <laughs> nah, in Australia, we say yeah, nah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. In America, we say no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yes, next week, I will have another project brief. I'm going to find, it's a mystery project. I'm going to find another project to do. And uh, we are, I'm going to try and fit as many Australian jokes into it as possible. Woo! Can't wait. Cannot wait. Until then, guys. I'm, wor- I'm worried I'm going to overdo it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing. You're going to underdo it because you're Australian. Get it? Nailed it. Down under? Wow, thanks. <laughs> yep. Nailed it. There we go. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Happy crunching, everyone.